0: Chapter Seventeen of Doom Castle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Caroline Doom Castle by Neil Munro. Chapter Seventeen. A Sentimental Secret. Good night, said Olivia at last, and straightway Count Victor felt the glory of the evening eclipse he opened the door to let her pass through i go back to my cell quiet enough she said in low tones and with a smiling frown upon her countenance happy prisoner said he to be condemned to no worse than your own company ah it is often a very dull and pitiful company that count victor said olivia with a sigh it was not long till he too sought his couch and the baron of doom was left alone doom sat long looking at his crumbling walls and the flaming fortunes the blush the heat-white and the dead gray ash of the peat-fire he sighed now and then with infinite despondency once or twice he poured his melancholy vapours gave a pace back and forward on the oaken floor with a bent head a bereaved countenance and sat down again indulging in the passionate void that comes to the bosom reft of its joys its hopes and loves and only mournful recollection left ah done man not an old man not even an elderly but a done man none the less with the heart out of him and all the inspiration clean gone count victor's advent in the castle had brought its own bitterness for it was not often now that doom had the chance to see anything of the big brave outer world of heat and enterprise this gallant revived ungovernably the remembrances he forever sought to stifle all he had been and all he had seen now passed and gone for ever as annapla did not scruple to tell him when the demands of her gift or a short temper compelled her his boyhood in the dear woods by the weedy river banks in the hill clefts where stags harboured on a shore forever ever sounding with the enchanting sea Oh sorrow how these things came before him the gentle mother with the one beautiful face the eager father looking ardent out to sea they were plain to view and then st andrews when he was pageant of st leonard's roystering with his fellows living the life of youth with gusto but failing lamentably at the end then the despondency of those scanty acres and decayed walls his marriage with the dearest woman in the world death at the fireside the bairn crying at night in the arms of her fosterer his journeys abroad the short hour of glory and forgetfulness with sachs at fontenoy and la to be followed only by these weary years of spoliation by law of oppression by the usurping hanoverian a dun man only a poor done man of middle age and the fact made all the plainer to himself by contrast with his guest alert and even gay upon a fiery embassy of retribution it was exactly the hour of midnight by a clock upon the mantel a single candle by which he had made a show of reading was scuttering all to a side and an ungracious end in a draught that came from some cranny in the ill-seamed ingle walls for all that the night seemed windless a profound stillness rubbed all the night was huge outside with the sea dead flat to moon and pulsing star he shook off his vapors vexatiously and as he had done on the first night of count victor's coming he went to his curious orisons at the door the orisons of the sentimentalist the home-lover back he drew the bars softly and looked at the world that ever filled him with yearning and apprehension at the draggled garden at the sea with its roadway strewn with golden sand all shimmering at the mounts benaim ardno and Arter, haughty in the night then he shut the doors reluctantly stood hesitating more the done man than ever in the darkness of the entrance finally hurried to save the guttering candle he lit a new one at its expiring flame and left the salle he went not to his bedchamber but to the foot of the stair that led to the upper flats to his daughter's room to the room of his guest and to the ancient chapel with infinite caution he crept round and round on the narrow corkscrew stair at any step it might have been a catacomb cell he listened at the narrow corridor leading to olivia's room and to that adjoining of her umquihil warder anna Plain. he paused too for a second at montaiglon's door none gave a sign of life he went up higher a story over the stage on which count victor slumbered the stair ended abruptly at an oaken door which he opened with a key as he entered a wild flurry of wings disturbed the interior and by the light of the candle and some venturesome rays of the moon a flock of bats or birds were to be seen in precipitous flight through unglazed windows and a broken roof doom placed his handle in a niche on the wall and went over to an ancient armoire or chest which seemed to be the only furniture of what had apparently once been the chapel of the castle to judge from its size and the situation of an altar-like structure at the east end he unlocked the heavy lid threw it open looked down with a sigh at its contents which seemed in the light of the candle nothing wonderful but a suit of highland clothes and some of the more martial appurtenances of the lost highland state including the dirk that had roused montaiglon's suspicion he drew them out hurriedly on the floor but yet with an affectionate tenderness as if they were the relics of a sacristy and with eagerness substituted the great tartan for his dull mulberry saxon habiliments it was like the creation of a man from a lay figure the jerk at the kilt belt buckle somehow seemed to brace the sluggish spirit his shoulders found their old square set above a well curved back his feet his knees by instinct took a graceful poise they had never learned in the mean immersement of breeches and linlithgow boots as he fastened his buckle brogues he hummed the words of MacMaster alister's song oh the black cloth of the saxon dearer far's the gaelic tartan you bethune's content with the waistcoat is he he said to himself he's no girl to be so easily pleased and him with a freeman's liberty and yet and yet i would be content myself to have the old stuff only about my heart he assumed the doublet and played drew down upon his brow a bonnet with an eagle plume turned him to the weapons the knife the pistols the dirk went to their places and last he put his hand upon the hilt of a sword not a claymore but the weapon he had worn in the foreign field as foolish a piece of masquerade as ever a child had found entertainment in and yet if one could see it with some great element of pathos and dignity for with every item of the discarded and degraded costume of his race he seemed to put on a grace not there before a manliness a spirit that had lain in abeyance with the clothes in that mothy chest. It was no dun man who eagerly trod the floor of that ruined chapel, no lacklustre failure of life, but one complete, commingling action with his sentiment. He felt the world spacious about him again, a summons to ample fields beyond the rotting woods and the sonorous shore of doom. The blood of his folk that had somehow seemed to stay about his heart in indolent clots began to course to every extremity and gave his brain a tingling clarity a wholesome intoxication of the perfect man he drew the sword from its scabbard joying hugely in the lisp of the steel and its gleam in the candlelight, and he felt anew the wonder of one who had drunk the wine of life and ventured to its lees he made with the weapon an airy academic salute a la girard and the new school of fence, thrust swift in tears like a sun-flash in forest after rain followed with a parade and felt an expert's ecstasy the blood tingled in his veins his eyes grew large and flashing a flush came to that cheek, for ordinary so wan. Over and over again he sheathed the sword, and as often withdrew it from its scabbard. Then he handled the dirk with the pleasure of a child. But always back to the sword, handled with beauty in a blomb, always back to the sword, and he had it before him, a beam of fatal light, when something startled him, as one struck unexpectedly by a whip. There was a furious rapping at the outer door. End of chapter seventeen.